0: Hello, and welcome to Doctor Who 50 Years Ago, the show that looks back to the episode that aired in 1970 and looks at the differences between then and now. This week. Malcolm Holtz, The Silurians, Episode (coughs) 5. It's going viral. I am Ben.
1: I'm Luke. And I'm Nick.
0: And here we are and here we go into the news from 1970. Firstly, on Monday the 23rd of February, the Director General of the BBC responds to his workers' criticisms of said British Broadcasting Corporation's plans for broadcasting in the 1970s which included the removal of the third programme. We talked about it last week. And this week, he curtly dismisses all objectors, arguing apparently too late in the plans themselves. He's going ahead with them anyway.
1: It's interesting how public this argument has become. He very, very publicly in the Times tells them to get stuffed. He doesn't even care about trying to make this civil What is also interesting is, I shall quote, broadly, the decisions involve streaming of the full radio networks into pop music, light music, speech programs and classical music is so interesting that streaming is the enemy in 1970. And it's kind of the enemy now. You know, that word is going to have a very interesting entry in the Oxford English Dictionary when people look back to see all of its various uses. Mm. It's going to be the constant bane of the Beeb.
0: Yes, if you'd like to put it. And indeed, arguments continue throughout the whole week in the House of Lords, in which every single Lord goes, yeah, OK, get on with it. Except Lord Reef, of course, who who is angry because it's not his BBC anymore and surprisingly not dead. which which is basically how you could describe every member of the house of
2: lords
0: (laughs) so yeah there's differences in the changes to broadcasting in the 1970s and definitely so as we start the 2020s oh what fun on tuesday the 24th of february a woman agrees to be a test subject for in vitro fertilization uh initially as part of a bbc documentary Now, this is a nice bit of scientific progress for those who want children, but for whatever reason, their biological makeup stops them from having one. Although, as Nick is about to explain, it's not as easy as just having in vitro fertilisation babies in 1970.
2: It's taken 10 years to go from testing in animals to even getting to this point of testing in humans. And it would take for another about eight years, about the same length of time where we get to 1978, and we actually get the first successful IVF treatment. So we're still a fair way off here, and this is very much futuristic medicine and technology still. It it is true science fiction, as it were.
0: And indeed, to connect it to Doctor Who, 10 years later, you have the child of the generator, Pangle, in the leisure hive.
2: And it's interesting that it, it homes in certain ways of why women can suffer from infertility, Uh, talks about uh, fallopian tubes being blocked and whatnot. And I'm pretty sure now there are more than that's not the only reason why people talk about infertility. So our understanding of that has dramatically grown in the last 50 years. Medicine keeps marching on. Yeah, we're, we're finding more diseases as we get better at treating diseases. Humans take too many antibiotics and we stuff our animals, food in farms and whatnot and slaughterhouses with too much antibiotics as well it's going to cause a problem very soon
0: finally on saturday the 28th of february lunar soil was stolen from an unauthorized display in los angeles having been on loan from nasa to the university of california institute of geophysics and planetary physics it was discovered and recovered two years later having been dropped into a mailbox it's an interesting crime and indeed ever since the moon landings and having taken a piece of moon back to earth it's a lovely bit of cheese grommet there have been a spate of thefts of lunar soil over the last 50 years in almost every civilized country in which lunar soil of a type has been displayed for whatever reason and so that can either show the amount of interest humanity has in space travel, in the moon, and our location in the universe, either for good reasons or for conspiracy theorist reasons.
2: Can I just be on record as saying, I would suspect it's more to do with, we humans are weird species and we covet rare things, and I suspect it's more to do with the fact that it's so extraordinarily rare moon soil that that's what generates the interest
0: yeah, it could just be theft.
2: Well, I mean, the fact that someone dropped it back in the mailbox it would lend credence to the idea of it being a student or something. And they finally got they were too afraid of being discovered with it. I mean, let's be honest, here. If, if someone comes and discovers you with moon soil, uh, you're not really got much of a defense there, have you?
0: <laughs> not particularly. No. Well done, alleged perpetrators of the crime.
2: Why aren't?
1: these bits of the moon better guarded. You know, I I would have lasers aimed on that damn thing.
2: Uh, you know. oh, Luke, this is 1970. Lasers are pretty primitive at this point. They were only invented less than 10 years earlier.
1: Okay, well I'd have a better lock on it, you know.
0: That was the news and now we shall get into the Silurians episode 5. It's the end of Act 2 of this story as I like to splits my Doctor Who stories into a three-part drama as performed on theatre, in which the Silurian's big threat is revealed. The dominant species has a regressive virus. This will be addressed mostly in the next episode, some some of it in this episode. But as I say, Act 2 of this plot is the main feature of this episode, having dealt with Act 1 of Who is the Saboteur slash Who are the Aliens, Episode 4 and 5, Reveal the thoughts and deeds of the morality of humans and the grey morality of Silurians. And here's the problem of virus for the cliffhanger. Yet again, it's Malcolm Hulk's way of structuring stories. He's done it in The Faceless Ones and he's doing it here again. He knows how to write and write well.
1: It's interesting that in a seven part serial, you can still sort of get a sense for a three act structure because... It takes a lot of skill to be able to shape something that well and not make a complete hash of it over that amount of time.
2: Uh, do you think it's skewed a bit more towards Act 1 gets more room than the other two acts? Because uh, it's got Act 1's more like the first few episodes, isn't it? That first episode, um, plot-wise, almost nothing really occurs. That's just solely about establishing the atmosphere, isn't it?
0: It's scene-setting.
2: Yes, uh, and then um, I feel like up to this is the most plot-heavy episode so far. This feels like a turning point. It, it, it's changed now because up to now the Silurians have been a sort of ambiguous thing, and now we know that they've gone from being ambiguous, a reflection of ourselves, and now they've had the coup. I suppose in a sense is a reflection of ourselves as well, but they're no longer we can negotiate with them it's uh, there's no one you could point to and say they're evil everyone is doing what they truly believe is best for the not their their personal interests but for the but like, the safety of everyone they know and care about
0: inordinately complex when you come to think about it because everyone's basically trying to decide the future of humanity or the silurian race
2: so even the two most unsympathetic characters are major baker and the younger silurian who challenges the leader they still don't feel evil. It, it is quite clear that they are prejudiced against those who are not like them, but that doesn't make you evil necessarily. It, mm. It's more they're, they're afraid.
0: We shall attempt to understand that a little bit more in detail by looking in depth at this episode. The Doctor is saved from death at the eye of the young Silurian by the old Silurian, who has an argument with the young one about what to do with the humans. Unit and the Brig are cooped up in their rocky ambush, cut off from the world and from an air supply. It makes one of the soldiers go primal with fear. It's like his mind has been thrown back millions of years. Yeah, we know. The argument continues between the permanent Under-Secretary and Dr. Lawrence about what's going on and what to do, and Liz lets slip of the Doctor's underhanded conversation With the Silurians.
1: What do the Silurians represent? Are they the older generation, i.e., old people? Are they immigrants? Are they natives? I mean, they're aspects of all of those at once.
2: Well, well, uh, uh, to answer your question, I think they're mirror images. Well, they're us. So there's all those things you mentioned. Well,
0: oh, it's race relations.
2: They're it? all humans. It's like they act exactly like humans. They have exactly the same grey morality of humans. They're a mirror image of us. This is probably, be, probably the reason they had to be reptilian as opposed to being... Imagine if there'd been two different, slightly different human races. That would have been too close to adult for the BBC to do. But making them a reptilian race... Ticks the box. box. What would happen if you had Homo sapiens and, and another close resemblance to us, but different species.
0: It's humans, but not as we know them.
2: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, ima- imagine if it was just... A, yeah, so it's probably more to do with
1: homo awaypians. Because they're away from us.
0: <laughs> That's it, a an home and away joke, and I object.
2: <laughs> uh, with Hulk, you know, he, he's definitely of the left-wing persuasion, as we've mentioned before. I feel like it, they're probably a stand-in for Again, it's the Cold War sort of thing. I don't know. Like.
0: The Doctor is now dealing with two sets of basically humanity and how humanity is very good at coming terms to conflict with one another rather than uh, their the basic primal understanding of dislike for the unlike and hatred and conflict, whereas he's representing a more logical, more rational aspect of understanding, mediation and peaceful coexistence.
2: Yeah, it, it, the reason it has to be Silurian's is, uh, it, you couldn't have the doctor coming to as say, a modern day war zone in, in 1970 and going between two different sides and saying, hang on, you guys are basically the same. It, let's just be in peace. You guys can farm this bit and you guys can farm another bit of this land.
1: On one side, you have them vying for power. The Silurians are, you know, monocratic, dictatorial. You have one central leader. And then the humans are much more, there's much more debate going on.
2: Well, I would say there is debate on both sides. On the Solaran side, there is debate. It's more just, as you say, it is dictatorial in where, and because he's the leader, he overrides the debate on that side. But the humans haven't come to a decision at all in this episode, really.
0: I think he does well to criticise both of them because you have human democracy in which everyone argues and nothing really gets done. Then you also have this dictatorial leadership but then there's a bloody overthrow of said dictatorial dictatorship so it's it's a critique on everything i believe
2: the silurian appears and then the doctor just brings out his hand and says oh, how do you do my fellow or whatever and here the doctor is saved by the silurian
0: it's an interesting role reversal
2: and again it's all about showing how they are literally a mirror image of us because there are good and bad on both sides
0: yeah and there's also Politics on both sides, and dare we say it, humanity on both sides, just shown in different ways. The Doctor and the old Silurian talk about the rights of species on Earth, much to major baker's disgust and screams of traitor. The young Silurian plots. We learn of how the Silurians unappropriated the Earth when they thought an apocalypse was coming, but it was the moon and they were reawakened by the nuclear reactor Owned by Dr. Lawrence. The Doctor, not wanting bloodshed, asks to become a mediator for the humans and the Silurians on the condition that they release the Brigadier and crew from their grisly fate. The old Silurian does so just in time.
1: Now, what's interesting is how the misunderstanding starts the turmoil, as we see in many world wars up until this point. You know, it's not something that everyone got together and was like, okay, it's time to head off to the isolation tubes. It's something that is very external to them that started this kind of World War I-y.
2: So because the First World War, no one wanted it. It was in no one's interests to do it. And
0: yet it was in everyone's interests.
2: Well, you see, so people might have convinced themselves that it was good, but actually it was a disaster for all the countries involved. Apart from the United States, you've got no real ideological differences and you've got multiple countries that could vie to be you know, the head power of the world. Um, I was mean, the American China in pole position. The European Union is there. Russia's there. India's a potential up and comer. So it, you, you haven't got just two blocks facing each other anymore. And there's no ideological difference. And that's sort of what it was like in World War. One. An interesting point, I, I think, yeah, when the doctor's talking about and he brings around an older Silurian, he says about the the Earth being overdeveloped oh, and overpopulated planet. And he's saying this in 1970. So is uh, so this already an awareness of uh, environmental problems to come? Uh, so Barry Letts was a very big player on this, wasn't he? Because mm. there's Malcolm Hulk having a few pints down the pub with Barry Letts and Barry Letts going on about his Buddhists.
0: Or to a lesser extent uh, Terence Dix, because no matter how curmudgeonly and old fashioned he seems to be, he's still working with Barry Letts and probably sharing to some extent his views.
1: What is interesting somewhat about that then is how much people believe it, because we're always being told... We're going to run out of oil by this point. That's something which has been going on for ages. Or we're going to see this by this point. Inevitably, they're always proved wrong. So that's kind of where this idea of scaremongering comes from. Even in the 1970s, people were obviously thinking, you know, we're fit to burst. But then they still carried on still, you know, growing. And here we are today with the exact same rhetoric.
2: We've moved on a fair way in terms of the science and also just the fact that uh, the weather has changed a fair bit in 50 years. It's, it's not quite as a...
0: We say speaking in the middle of a second storm in a week.
2: Yeah, I know. I live on a park and the, the uh, ground is sodden. It's not had a chance to dry in the last few weeks. It's getting ridiculous.
0: If there were crops there, they would fail. Yes climate is evolving owing to certain changes the human habitat has provoked Mm. yeah it's as you say very interesting that we have that environmental message this early in 1970s and then throughout the 1970s and then onwards it's just a case of if people actually listen to either the scaremongering tactics or the increased scientific accuracy of what they predict will happen
2: A shame that they don't react to either of those, but there we are.
0: Yes. Back to politics. The young Silurian and the Silurian scientist are not infused about the prospect of peaceful coexistence and no longer fit to lead us, quote, and negotiating from the threat of death makes the scientist work with the young Silurian in his coup. They use Major Baker to make a virus that affects humans and not Silurians the brigadier returns to the surface and so does major baker who is carrying the slow working virus the young and the old silurian argue and the elder warns the doctor of the virus and gives him the bacteria to work with to find a cure the doctor returns to the surface and we see the virus work on major baker the young silurian kills the older silurian the coup is in force generational conflict at its uh, least subtle.
1: I wonder how much this serial plays around the idea of how the society could function at all if everyone is carrying around a lethal weapon and one that you could torture someone with. I think that's an interesting aspect to the Silurians that we see them use it quite a lot. They're much more brutal and have the ability to be
2: more brutal than us. If this was made now... An obvious thing might be he's uh, doing a bit of a satirical thing on America there. You know, lots of Americans carry weapons like as though they were attached to them, biologically speaking.
0: Yeah. And they're doing it to the North Vietnamese.
2: Well, yeah, true.
0: Their arms. Their right to bear arms.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The older Silurian, he's by far the most amenable character in this story to the Doctor so
0: far. Because old translates to wise in this aspect.
2: Yeah, well, normal well, I, I suppose perhaps back. See, nowadays, old is bad, but no, even then it was to a certain extent. But I think there was more of a respect for the elderly for their wisdom than there is now.
0: You can wonder where the anti-old sentiment comes from,
2: yeah, and especially when this elderly generation that we're comparing from now to then, the one and then, had fought in at least one of the two world wars so it's a little bit of a that would probably explain the difference in uh, uh, the estimation of elderly generations as it were
0: there is a more economical divide between the old and the young of which the gap is ever shortening because of scientific progress in that we can have the old classified as those who grew up in a potentially affluent 80s or a potentially poor 80s depending on how stark the class conflict was in the 80s, as opposed to exactly the same happening now in the 2010s with a decade of austerity.
1: Do we have another top civil servant in Doctor Who? Last time we had Spirit from Space, the two swords thing. Is this just going to be a season of civil servants? Because if it is, I can't say that fast.
0: Uh, There is at least another one. He might be an MP in the Ambassadors of Death. Oh, no. and there is yet another night in Inferno. Yay. <laughs> You're lucky. So, yeah, um, in terms of this season, we really do get into the aspect of what is the government doing? And is it right slash wrong? And most of the time it's wrong. But in this story, it's mostly right. Weird.
2: Yeah. Jeffrey Palmer, he is he is a reasonable authority figure when not neither is whinging at him. See, he's very reasonable. And he actually believes the quote nonsense stories of the um of the doctor and the brigadier etc etc he
0: is a very sympathetic and open-minded individual despite being chummy with not yeah yeah
2: that's nuanced Mm. yeah compared to not who is just a caricature
0: the humans make a series of mistakes baker is admitted to hospital allowing the infection that nobody knows about to spread The doctor and the brigadier rush after him and immediately after that, the permanent undersecretary's had enough and he's going back to London to close the research centre and warn of the virus to the ministry. But of course, he's infected too and nobody stops him from leaving either. So the doctor and the brigadier get to Major Baker just as he dies. The first one of a pandemic that's about to spread like wildfire.
2: This is pretty um, relevant, considering I um, <clears> think <throat> the novel coronavirus is going on right now.
0: Yes. I, I, I practically jumped for joy when I realised we were getting to these episodes at this time in history. Yes. For me, there you go. We're uh,
1: supposed to be calling it COVID-19, by the way, World mm. Health Organisation.
2: Oh, oh, well, there's the journalist amongst us yeah well, I mean, hang on well I was at one point it was called the novel coronavirus because it was like a new eight because coronavirus is just yeah but it's not new anymore is it
0: now? Uh, no it's killed about a thousand plus people it's all it's all old hat now go the, the,
2: the <laughs> big thing about this is that the Chinese government were really bad at how they initially dealt with it which seems was what early it was in December wasn't it, it first like the a whistleblower doctor, oh, I forgot his name, unfortunately, and rest in peace, he died. He started to blow the whistle on it, didn't he, in December, I think. And, and the Chinese to... were
0: not best pleased because they would have really happily kept this entire city of Wuhan under purge, probably. Yeah, yeah. In the 2020s and they can't really do that anymore, isn't <laughs> square?
2: Well, they're, they're too interconnected with the rest of the global economy now. Um, SARS, uh, I've read about the economic impact that had and it's like, now everyone's going, this is so much bigger now because China is so much more interconnected than it was not even twenty years ago. They were a big player now. now they have their hands in everything.
0: And coughing in everything as well.
2: Yes. Oof. Oof. The British government, or oh, well, the representative as the permanent undersecretary just decides to ignore the fact that there's a virus and the doctor says, let's quarantine it, and he's like, no.
0: The moral of the story is self-isolate, folks.
2: If you've got any symptoms, call NHS 111. Don't, yep. go and the don't hospitals. worry,
0: we're on it. We've got thousands of posters everywhere.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. You, 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 you can blow you know, your nose with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: God. <laughs> you you want to know what the first, uh, I think, victim of uh, COVID-19 in London did? They oh, they went in take an, u- an Uber? Yes. Oh, I don't know if it was he or she, but they took an Uber to a hospital's A&E
0: What happens next episode
2: oh yeah it's true there you go there you go 50 years ago they were predicting about what people would do
0: if it happened at marylebone the case is closed (laughs) (laughs) amazing malcolm hulk is an omnipotently prescient writer talking about humanity politics and viruses 50 years ago and shock horror everything's happening now That is amazing. Thank you very much for listening. You can find us on Blogspot, which redirects to iTunes. Leave positive comments there, it helps. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube, where you can like, comment, and subscribe. We shall be back next week with episode six of The Silurians, where a slow moving virus speeds up. Until then, I have been Ben.
1: I have been Luke. And I have been Nick.